Hello, just... Elisa. How are you? I am well. How are you? Uh, I'm good. So we're recording ourselves having a conversation. Isn't that exciting? Sense of deja vu, but yes. <laughs> if you're listening to us, you've noticed that this is coming to you via the 12th Planet Press uh, podcast. You may know us from such shows as Galactic Suburbia. This is not Galactic, Galactic Suburbia. It's not a spin-off or anything like that. Um, this is Elisa and myself having the sorts of conversations we would have if we happen to live in the same city, which Aww. has never happened and makes us both sad. Uh, and we decided that we should record it and share it with anybody who happens to listen to it. But we're putting it out through 12th Planet Press. Elisa, that's your press. What else is on the 12th Planet podcast list at this point? Uh, currently, and I hope this is true, um, is Tansy's short series where she gender-swapped Frankenstein as part of the Mother of Invention Kickstarter Awards. Um, I have a feeling that's all that's there. there. There used to be some short stories, but I think it's probably too old and gone. But, um, yeah, the intention is to bring back that podcast series. Uh, well, not that series, but the podcast. Um, and we'll see what that looks like going forward. Yep. And it might include us occasionally talking about things, mostly probably films or TV that we've watched, because yeah. those are things we enjoy talking about. Yes, and probably the things we most consume that are the same. <laughs> That's probably true, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we get right into this film that we're going to talk about, let's just clarify one thing. Uh-huh. So, you're Jewish. Yes. And I'm Christian. Yes. And you love Hallmark Christmas movies and yes. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you hate them? So many reasons. I don't like schmaltzy, feel-goody, I can predict what's going to happen from the first five minutes films as a rule. Okay. Although I would, I mean, yeah, they are so saccharine. I agree. Saccharine. Saccharine's the word I'm looking for. Um, but isn't there a comfort in knowing where you're going to go? There is. I don't tend to like the method that these sorts of films take. I was giving blood today and as I was waiting, I was watching on the TV screens. And, of course, they don't have the sound on. They've just got the, 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 um, the captions. And mm -hmm. I happened to look up as this couple who were talking about wishes coming true and you've always been my wish under the Christmas tree. And I had to look away before I just... Vomited. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you like about them? Okay, well, first of all, you have to understand um, that I'm Jewish and I grew up in a Jewish house, which meant that we did not have any Christmas. So for me, it was always on the outside looking in um, at this, you know, colourful and bright and warm and joy to the earth peace among all that stuff, um, ideas looking in, um, and, you know, like, and as a kid, anything that just has a lot of presence 
seems really cool and if you're not getting a lot of the presents that just seems really awful um and you know a lot of jewish festivals are not fun um you know like passover where you can't eat really any food that's not cardboard so you know you're not there's no real i would say there's no real equivalent but that's probably not true but anyway so part of that is this whole um never having had it um on the you know which i feel weird about because my kids um have non-jewish grandparents so they sort of experience it in a way that was different to me um so there's that but also you know like the end of the year is like let's just get off the clock and completely relax and it's hot as hell in Australia in December. Um, so there's something dreamy about being all cold and curled up on a sofa with woolly socks and a hot cocoa and everything's going to be all right at the end. Um, that's really warm and comforting and, like, they're terrible love stories. But, you know, like, usually I'm doing something else while I'm watching them, so I don't want to be challenged intellectually. Um, however, I have not been able to watch Christmas movies this year. I found it really hard, um, mostly because they're always set in small towns in America and they're always about how small towns are so much better than um, the big smoke. And I just think all those people would not be wearing face masks right now and would be denying the pandemic. And so I just can't do it. Yeah, I can understand that. And I'm sorry to hear that that great comfort has been taken away from you. That is sad. Yeah. It, yeah. But um, that's okay, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's been quite a year. So, yes. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Well, it's the context. So the, <laughs> so the greater context is that about two years ago, I must have been about a November when Elisa was living slightly close to me than she currently does, I went to visit Elisa for a weekend and she tied me down and compelled me to watch a Christmas film. <laughs> remember that. Oh, I do, I do. Um, we watched The Christmas Chronicles and the only reason I was prepared to watch it was <laughs> that it had Kurt Russell Fair. in it. Yeah. Which I thought was worth it. Yes. Until he started singing. Oh, did he sing in the first one? Yeah, in the jail to convince I've the guards to let him out. I've blocked that completely out. And then the greatest moment was in the last five seconds at the end of the Christmas Chronicles. Spoilers, I guess. He goes home to the North Pole and there's Mrs. Claus and it's Goldie Horn. Yeah. And that 10 seconds was worth the two hours beforehand. It was a magnificent payoff. <laughs> and so, my friends, we get to 2020 and we have, as appropriate for this year, The Christmas Chronicles 2. Okay, I just want to say for the record, you chose this film. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I wanted to – well, I, when I saw that it was Goldie Horn up front – with yeah. Kurt Russell, I thought yeah. it could be okay. Yeah, that's fair. And, and I would probably would give us a lot to talk about. <laughs> and I have to tell you that when I queued it up on the Netflix, I was about to put it on my account, and then I went, "No, no, don't be foolish. 
went back a step, entered the kids section, which I've oh. never used before. So I watched it through the kids thing and didn't stuff up my own algorithm. Pollution of your algorithm. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, so your initial take, Elisa, on The Christmas Chronicles 2, what did you think? There was no need for a sequel to this movie. There was no requirement. It did not need it. And this was terrible. I, I couldn't quite believe the number of things it managed to bring in. And when I really started interrogating the narrative, I got quite worried about some bits. Okay. It's, it's quite problematic. Okay. All right. Uh, I mean, I'm tempted to give an overview of the narrative, but I'm honestly not sure I could do it justice. <laughs> it follows on from Christmas Chronicles 1. Kids sad about dad having died. Christmas isn't the same. They help to rescue Christmas. Santa thinks they're great. Like that was the first film. Okay. Yes. This one, what would you say? Same kids still cranky about Christmas. Yeah. Gets kidnapped by a random elf who has become a human because he was a bad elf. Yes. Which is deeply problematic. And then they go to the North Pole. And my favourite bit, Elisa, the North Pole, Santa's village is powered by the Star of Bethlehem. Oh, my goodness. That's awful. It's just ridiculous. At that point, I started having to take notes. Oh, there are notes. There are notes. I cannot wait. It says Star of Bethlehem, question mark, question mark. (laughs) So that's where you, like, were thrown out of the narrative. That was the point. That was the point at which I said, where are the sharks? They've just been jumped over. That's ridiculous. So what did you think of the opening setup? Mum has new boyfriend off on holidays together. Blah, 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 blah. I could not work out where they were. About was, yeah, but they were like they were like in Mexico, but you couldn't like find that out until like ages later. And the elf that is a human had a Kiwi accent. And I was like, well, New Zealand's not on the equator. So they can't be in New Zealand. And I just couldn't understand where they were. Obviously, Cancun, like, what was I thinking? But, yeah, um, that was fine. Like, so they're, you know, it's the it's your standard setup for a Disney film where two families are trying to merge and the kids don't like it and blah, blah, like, whatever. I only know Tyrese Gibson, who plays the boyfriend from the Fast and the Furious movies. I, right. I can't help but think, you know, surely his co-stars would have been looking at that and just cackling at him having a role in such a sappy film. And then I thought, no, he probably got paid a spectacular amount of money. So I'm sure and he was fine with it. Much, so, like, not that much work. The wife was from Nashville, so that distracted me. Right. A lot. Yeah. Um, the kid, the elf, is from yep. Hunt for the Wilder People and Deadpool 2. Okay. So that's what distracted me. Right. I was like, is that really him? 
he's grown that makes sense but still kiwi that's weird yeah it was weird and then i was like why am i finding this weird like i tried to roll with it yeah and it was not explained either and then i'm like mm, maybe it doesn't need to be i mean it the elves all did have different accents yeah Maybe Americans can't tell the difference between Kiwi and faux far north Scandinavian. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Bad elf turned into human, kidnaps child, takes her to the North Pole. Yes. To try and infiltrate Santa's village to wreak his dastardly revenge. Yes, against Santa. Against Santa. That was all pretty weird. Deeply weird. Well, he hated Christmas. Did he hate Christmas or did he just hate Santa? No, he hated Christmas because it had Santa's attention. Ah, yes. And it wasn't his attention on him. Yes. See, this is one of the things that I have a problem with. Basically, it's... It's punishing teenage rebellion. Like that's yeah. what the, the whole film is. Yes. Punishing a teenager for being stroppy. Like him being turned into a human was punishment. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's awful. It's a very, like, very serious punishment. Yeah, but he'd been given lots of chances. Like he got, it wasn't just like the first time. He broke all five rules. That's many that's times. True. Many times. I did think it was hilarious that the thing that <laughs> that pushed him over the line was writing his name on Santa's sleigh. Like nobody else is going to figure out who did that. Ah, yeah, so that, that's all very weird. But then we get to Mrs. Claus and we get Goldie Horn and, you know, she's yeah. a she's a bright point. She's a witch, basically. She mixes stuff in a cauldron. She has magic. She has more magic than Santa. Yeah, I mean, they have magic and it's never, re- like, it's never really explained because there was the whole, well, Santa was St. Nicholas. Yeah, another very weird bit, that whole explanation of how the elves... Wasn't Santa invented by Coca-Cola? The current iteration of the red and the white. Yes. But St. Nicholas and that idea of Father Christmas have been around for ages. Then there was like no, like, (laughs) it was just like there was St. Nicholas and then suddenly there was Coca-Cola Santa. And the, the way that happened was because the elves thought that he could be the king of elves and save them. So they gave him the Star of Bethlehem. Yeah. Did that give him his magic? One must assume so, yes. But when the Star of Bethlehem power went out, he didn't lose his magic. No. And it also doesn't explain how Mrs. Claus has her magic. So I can right, only assume that she has magic beforehand. Yeah, yes, right. Where does she come from? We, I mean, we don't know. Um, but also, I think, <laughs> not wanting to be like, way deeper than this movie is ever hoping to try to even give a nod to. Um, did, this, did the elves become enslaved to Santa? This is, this is, yeah, I know. And then, and then there's the issues with the kid who 
became human about how why would you want to be a human elves are so much so there's this whole elf supremacy stuff and yeah like when the elves saying we can't rule ourselves we need a human to do it for us that was one of the things i found very very uncomfortable particularly if they gave him the power to to lead them and then he has to go back to them to get more power and yet so so then the only way that this can like make sense is that they're not enslaved to santa but we would never really using their slavery don't know if they got paid for their work they're just so happy elisa and you know giving joy to children everywhere is worth working all year for yeah that's, that's but also like the way um mrs cause spoke to the elves to get her that it wasn't there were more commands rather than hey they weren't like on a power level of that was the same so it so it was really unclear mm. i was um uncomfortable <laughs> with that yeah i think it was patronizing in the true sense of the word mr and mrs claus are parents and the elves are children. Like they only like one. At the end, they're carrying <laughs> around the now turned back into an elf as a baby, and I'm like, the elf's hundred years old. What are you doing? And, and also only that one. And when he wasn't there, even though they have thousands, it was like they were bereft of all having children. Mm. So they've just like made that one elf their favorite. Their favourite. Yeah. It's not pretty. Also, there was this element when the kids came and, um, you know, uh, Mrs. Claus missed having children. It was like, are you are you going to abduct these children? <laughs> Keep them here? They could just stay for one night. I'm like, no, run away. Get out of there now. Don't drink the cocoa. Her house is made of gingerbread. Also, <laughs> right before that in the opening scene, um, the, the, the little boy, I forgot his name. Jack? The really annoying one. He wasn't annoying. He was just little. Um, was like, oh, I'm like allergic to like eight different things. And then he never once asked Mrs. Claus. Um, whether he can eat the food. No. <laughs> it was like, was he gluten intolerant? Like, <laughs> allergic to nuts? We don't know. No. Did you just know to make it all nut friendly? I don't, yeah. If you're allergic to eggs, there's definitely eggs in that stuff. Who knows? Yeah. So the interactions with the elves were very weird and I, I guess superficially cutesy, but yeah. really not, not great. And then evil elf gets them all stoned which is well they're acting stoned yeah dying uh and then they're basically bashing each other over their head and getting really violent again it was like really although sidebar the who let the dogs out section is quite funny (laughs) (laughs) that's that is true 
uh, and the amount of mischief you can get up to with just the stuff in Santa's village is pretty epic. But it, like you could watch that with a horror gloss and it's not that far removed from being a bit horrific. Well, and it's actually, I don't know, it's quite funny because the end of the movie <laughs> um, ends really bizarrely. Let's just skip over for a moment the, the singing of Kurt Russell because... Um, the less I, said, the better. Uh, that was something. Um, everybody's, like, singing to a Christmas tree. Yeah. And so... The thing that's really fascinating on, from the outside looking in on Christmas movies is the complete absence of God. Mm. Um, sometimes you get some reference to baby Jesus. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily get any commentary whatsoever on like, you know, um, like, like the uh, grown up version of Jesus. Mm -hmm. and teachings and whatever right so it's like oh it's baby jesus's birthday uh or no or complete always absence of god and then um so then you're like watching all this stuff about christmas without the context of religion which people who are not religious or don't consider themselves religious but do celebrate christmas would argue um it's more secular so that's fine. And obviously this kind of material is trying to relate to the broadest denominator of people, demographic of people, right? But then they're all standing there and then the family's on the beach, like singing to the moon about the Christmas tree. Super pagan. Super pagan, right? And then in... Santa's village, they're literally standing in front of a Christmas tree and talking about this tree, right? And so everybody's talking about this tree and the whole song, Oh Christmas Tree, is about a tree. In my religion, we do not worship idols, right? So this becomes this really weird moment where I'm like, yeah, I guess this is what, what we mean because you're all standing in front of and object and talking about how fantastic its branches are and how much joy it gives you and I'm like this is so weird it's a tree and I'm like okay as an environmentalist I'm like look it's not that I'm not against how great trees are <laughs> I, I think trees are great if you don't cut them down and then let them die in 30 days and fling them on the trash heap uh, so uh, from that aspect, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm down with you. I don't know. It was weird. I was, I was really, um, I found the ending bizarre from yeah. that aspect. Yeah. And in terms of the whole religion thing, there's no explanation about why the, what the star of Bethlehem is or was or why it had, might have any significance. So there's this expectation of, a cultural understanding that those three words mean something. Right. But they're not then tied to anything, you know, and then, yes, he was St. Nicholas, but there's no explanation about what saint means or what it means to have been the bishop in of Asia Minor. And, like, yeah. there's just some guy who put coins and oranges out for people, I presume, on a particular, in this, in this. Presumably. 
on a particular night and yeah. he found joy in giving. Because nobody else has ever done that in the history of humanity. And no religion's ever had like a tithing or anything. No. Like, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, so you're right. So it's doing a very odd thing with assuming some religious overtones but trying to make it super accessible to a presumed American, I think, somewhat educated audience. Yeah. I say only, it's not aimed at just a white audience, but it is an audience that has some background level Christian knowledge. Because otherwise the reference to Star of Bethlehem makes no sense. Well, I mean, except that enough of those cultural, I guess, touch tones have kind of um, permeated. Yeah. General that, that's, that's what I mean. Not necessarily yeah. someone who's grown up with any Christian direct teaching, but someone who has been exposed to some of the ideas of Christmas. Yeah, it's super weird, right? Because, like... The Star of Bethlehem, and I've got to check check my uh, understanding, it is, you know, um, led the, the three wise men to the baby Jesus to bestow... Weeks after Christmas, after his birth, weeks later. To bestow upon him... Just to recognise him. Um, the point was that it was the first time that non-Jewish people had seen him and went, yep, he's awesome. Like, that's how it's framed. Which, again, yeah, is yeah. sort of like, well, then you have to kind of um, acknowledge that, like, Jesus was something, someone, right? Like there was some point to it. But, but what's fascinating is you would have to think that the kind of audience that this is, this, that the Christmas movie genre is mostly made at and, and consumed by would be that broad white Bible belt of America, which surely would want more explicit Christianity in the, do you know what I mean? Like it's not, it's you're, weird. You're my expert on Christmas movies. Is there usually more Christianity? No, no. It, there's a complete absence. There's, you know, there's often no reference whatsoever to anything other than the, the day is Christmas. Yeah. It's completely devoid of, of all of that, which is fascinating because like in my world, you know, like it just wouldn't come up. Like it's so not anything that you just like wouldn't wouldn't mention it. And then so like if you're mentioning, you know, it's just weird. Like it's weird. I don't, yeah, I don't really know the point of it. Like it's, I mean, what I, you know, if you've just watched these films, what you would glean is that you need to be baking cookies, eating hot cocoa and um, exalting some tree. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... There is genuinely some sort of study to be done around what this genre of film says about American society or about one part of American society. And, you know, if you took a snapshot over about 20 years or 50 years, you know, you would definitely see a change. Uh, like I'm guessing that 50 years there wouldn't ago there wouldn't have been, you know, a mixed-race cu couple at the centre of the family story. Well, they wouldn't have been probably four years ago either. That, that that was quite remarkable. Yeah, I guess I was. I mean, I was thinking of getting and that, that wasn't coming to dinner, but that's the seventies, and that was outrageous. So yeah, yeah you're right. 
um, and so that wasn't a Hallmark movie, I don't think, that we no. just watched. But, like, the Hallmark lineup this year, I think, has one black couple and then the rest are white. And that's already, like, a big deal. Yeah, okay. So definitely aiming at one a, a very clear presumed audience then. You would yes, and I, I would suspect, and this is only going off the – African-American people that I personally know would need way more religion than that in their films. Like for it, for, for you to be targeting them like that, there's just no, they would just, that for them, they would find that completely devoid of, yep. you know, like what's your Christmas spirit for? Like what, it, you know, there's just like, there's, there's no context to any of it. It's really weird. It's like so, yep. Um, made into such a one dimension that you're almost, you'd be grappling. A day by itself is just a 24-hour period. Like 25th of December has no internal specialness at all. Except that you're supposed to find love with somebody or your family. But what's really interesting about all those things that I find fascinating, because obviously I'm not just mindlessly consuming what I'm watching, is the commentary around... um, small small towns versus the big city and um and the more and the value of um manual labor over um white collar and that kind of thing and and of of making families versus choosing not to have children or be married or whatever there's some definite commentary pushing that which i find deeply fascinating given that they're funded by corporations so they're super conservative then in terms of the values and the ideals that, that they're pushing. That they're pushing, but then then in their own business decisions, they're not necessarily mm. um, investing in that. Yeah. So it's like a deeply hypocritical and like a... Or is it hypocritical or is it just keeping the masses happy? So I think it's... They a, have that as something yeah. to aim for and keep working away for the other 360 days of the year. Because one I think day I'll be able to afford my cabin in upstate New York. Yeah, but it's always about moving back to a small town and about making a small town more profitable or, you know, bringing a farm back from the brink of bankruptcy. And yet, like, the decisions that those big corporations make every day in order to do well on the stock market is not about that. Yeah. And the concept of moving back to your small town hasn't been a reality for a hundred years because more people have lived in cities in America than in the countryside since the 1930s and it's only continuing so it's yeah. very it's very conservative it's very old-fashioned I mean that's the other thing if, if, if I were to watch those Hallmark movies in conjunction with watching cable news at this time and they're rolling out the COVID-19 vaccine and most of the towns that are featured in a film like Hallmark will not have the facilities to store the current Pfizer vaccine. Mm. And so, you know, and, and don't have access to a pharmacy or, a, or an ICU, you know, you know, like it's fascinating to watch those two things. And I don't understand like I don't, they don't gel and I don't understand, I mean, 
I know I'm trying to find some kind of consistency and um, morality and, and you know, what, what am I trying to do? Yeah. No, the it's interesting fa- question then will be what sort of movies they make for next year. And a number of people have said that about fiction going forwards. If you set anything after 2020 from now on, it's either an alternate history or mm. you have to take COVID into account. So are the Hallmark movies of 2021, thank goodness that's over, aren't we lucky we've got the vaccine, now life gets on as normal? Like, is it just five minutes of 2020 was so terrible and now we move on? I would put money down that they'll pretend it never happened. Alternate histories, wow. Because everything else is completely contextless. No, that's true. Yes. They don't have a date, do they? They don't have a date. You never know when they're set or, you know, necessarily where. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. Yes, it does allow them to ignore uncomfortable real world issues and truths then and portray a fantasy world because that's, I mean, that's what they are. Well, it's a complete fantasy, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Without elves and Kurt Russell singing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, ultimately you had to view, I mean, it's ridiculous because, of course, Santa Claus, is, you're already in a fantasy, right? Um, but then with the magic and the elves and stuff, this is a spec fic piece. But, you know, obviously I think the whole thing is spec fic, right? Like in my context. So, yeah. Um, Which leads us very nicely into the fact that this is not just a fantasy, this is also science fiction because uh, there's time travel. They go back in time because Bad Elf throws a thing into the air and the sleigh goes through it and suddenly, suddenly they go back in time to, what is it, 1990, I think? 1990 and I was like, was she even born then? Which of course she wasn't. Yeah, and I was like, it's Boston, and then he's, she's sitting next to a kid who kind of looks like her. And I, and I, in my head, I, I went, you, they, no, surely yeah, yeah. they did not. Of course they did, and I was like, oh, really? Interesting. She's sitting next to her dad. Yes, she is. Oh, but she got closure, right? It was so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> so awkward. It was. It was terribly awkward. But she got to say goodbye to her dad. That's what she really needed for her healing. So everyone should look for time travel in order to heal. The only way to heal is to go back in time and meet your teenage father. Yes. Great. No, God. Imagine if I met my teenage father. I don't even want to think about it. I'll be terrible. (laughs) And it's also in this context that Kurt Russell sings in an airport on Christmas Eve. I think... Planes are getting... You should really say more like there was Kurt Russell and there was music playing and there was sound. The woman who was the air person, the flight attendant, not flight attendant, the person letting people on the plane, she's uh, uh, she's fantastic. I looked her up and she has like sung with Elvis and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Charlene someone, Grace, Love, I don't remember now. 
I should look that up. She was brilliant. You're right, she though. She about her song, yes. Kurt Russell was not great. He was there, no. <laughs> I do wonder whether he had it written into his contract. I'll do the film if I get but to sing. Because I'm pretty sure Goldie Horn can actually sing because they sang at the end as well. And I feel like yes. she she can, you know, like satisfactorily sing. So she, I remember seeing an interview with her once and she she's def, she started as a dancer. Yes, she did. So she definitely dances. Um, Darlene Love is the woman's name who sings while Kurt Russell is there. Jives around behind, around her. Um, yeah, I, I can only think that Kurt Russell has just desires to be a rock star. Which, when you're Kurt Russell, I don't really understand being discontent with the experience of your life. But I feel we do human. give a nod to the fact that he makes a fantastic Santa. He really does, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He does. So as a someone who didn't grow up with Santa inherently in their house, what about him makes him a great Santa for you? I feel like he really wears that beard well. Yeah. Um, and he has he has kind eyes. Yeah. And he's a little bit serious. Yeah, I feel like he has a nice balance of serious and mischievous. Hmm. I th- yeah, I think he does make that balance quite nice. You're right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just looking over my notes again and towards the end, must have been just when she'd met her dad and, and it had been just revealed that it was definitely her, her dad, I wrote, I need more booze. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was watching this after dinner. <laughs> and it was probably when Kurt was singing. That was so bad. I was like, this is really bad. And I and you know me, I watch a lot of low level yeah. stuff. This was pretty low. It was really low. Yeah. And it all ends happily ever after. <laughs> of course. On a beach. On a beach singing to the moon about a Christmas tree. But, you know, like the little girl's healed and she's able to, like, open her heart and behave in her family and not give her mum trouble. Yep. And I understand that, you know, like, you have to move on. Yes. Well, it was certainly an experience watching it. (laughs) I really, really, really hope they don't make a third one. Uh money on that they do <laughs> why wouldn't they uh, I mean because you know what they've done now it's like it's it's the the lion the witch in the wardrobe situation the first movie here is the older brother and the sister yes the second movie the older brother's there but he's got his eye on a cute girl so it's yeah. the sister and then the younger Soon to be stepbrother. The yeah. third one, stepbrother, will be the. Will, I think it is Jack. Yeah, will be the stepbrother. Yeah, well, because also the kids age out, right? So technically, the 
older brother. Well, okay. What I liked was that he believed them, obviously, and then they got to tell him as the pseudo, the transitionary adult yep. what happened, which, like, grounds their experience in reality. I liked that. Yeah, I did too. I did not buy the idea that, what is she, 12, 13? She thinks she's yeah. just going to go to the airport and get on an aeroplane, having changed her own plane ticket. Where's she going to go, anyway? Yeah, th- then it segues into Home Alone, so... That's it. I was going to say, there was just so much about this that wanted to be home alone. Yeah. Especially when the elves were going silly. Yep. Oh, and when Jack was like fighting them. And that, that whole scene was like, I'm trying to be home alone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm a wannabe Macaulay Culkin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this was a truly terrible film. It was. Let's not do that again. Try and pick something with that's got a better narrative next time. Yeah. I feel like we have picked our next film. Yes. We could probably just about leave this here. I think uh, we should all leave this here and walk away. <laughs> Listeners, we've watched it so that you don't have to. Yes. Um, given this is, of course, the 12th Planet Press podcast, Elisa, things that you want to give a shout out to? Rebuilding Tomorrow. Which um, which is the sequel to Defying Doomsday. Both anthologies are dystopian, I guess, science fiction set in and then after the apocalypse, featuring um, protagonists with a chronic illness or a disability who are the heroes of their story. Um, we kickstarted both of them. We kickstarted both of them and Rebuilding Tomorrow, the ebook has just dropped. So you can grab that at any of your favorite ebook platform distributors. And the um, paperback is available for pre order. Um, and I'd also like to give a shout out to um, The Long Shot, which is um, a new novella out from Deadlines, our crime imprint. Um, and is a suspense crime novella uh, with a little bit of a romance on the side. So that's pretty cool. And um, keep your eye out because we are getting back into our publishing schedule. On that note, I think we'll wrap up. It's been delightful talking to you about and ripping this film to shreds (laughs) with you. It's always a fun thing to do. Definitely good to see your face. <laughs> uh, great. I guess that's it. Merry Christmas. Cool. Merry <laughs> Christmas, everybody. Hope you don't get kidnapped by an evil elf. And if you do, that Mrs. Claus will give you some of that very interesting hot cocoa. Yeah, don't eat anything she prepares. Just No, say no to the weird lady. See ya. Bye.